Welcome back to the Grand Valley Community Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you to meet Jesus and grow in faith. So we've been doing a sermon series uh, right now called Who's Got Time for Christmas? Uh, and we're kind of talking about this season as a whole that even though we're looking forward towards Christ's birth and we're kind of moving towards this season of expectation, um, there's often this thing where we have a lot of extra pressures and stress that get thrown into our Christmas experience. It's the time of season where we still have all the normal, regular things that we have to do, and then we throw a whole bunch more on. You know, we throw on, you know, we got to throw a party, we got to, you know, gather family together, we got to get all the shopping done. Guys, this is your warning, you should probably not leave it to the 24th, you know, just public service announcement for you. Anyways, but it's this time of season where we tend to throw tons of extra expectations on ourselves. And I kind of, as we were planning this here, said, who's got time for that? And so last week, we started talking about this idea of who's got time for faith, and how do we actually challenge ourselves to grow in our walk with God. And this week, we're going to kind of carry that and move forward, and we're going to ask some questions as we try and say, how do we prepare ourselves for Jesus' birth? How do we prepare ourselves for this season? And as we do that, there's something that we do around here I want to invite you to do, is pull out your phone, and if you have the YouVersion Bible app installed, uh, pull it up and go to the Events tab, and you can search for Grand Valley, or you can download the app. It's a really quick download. And what you can do is you can follow along on your phone as we go through this. Uh, And then also there's some links you can click on that take you to a little form where you can share your thoughts. And before we wrap up today, we're going to spend some time. We're going to discuss and say, how do we actually do this? How do we actually try and apply some of these things into our life? So for today, we're asking, uh, we're focusing on a topic together. And it's kind of an interesting topic because it affects every single one of us. And it's a topic that we often feel we already know quite a bit about. But the thing is, even though we know quite a lot about it, sometimes we don't actually know as much as we think we do. And so today, we're talking about health. If I can spell things right, we'll talk about health. Uh, Health is something that affects every one of us. And one of the things that's kind of interesting about health is anytime we talk about health in the church, we tend to kind of think about it in almost a one-dimensional lens. We tend to only look at one perspective of this. And that perspective is that we tend to focus only on spiritual health. We talk about how's our relationship with God? Are we growing as a disciple? Are we uh, focusing on, you know, praying, reading scripture, doing all these things that we know help us know God deeper? But spiritual health is only one part of a bigger conversation about health. And so what I want to do today, uh, if you'll come with me on this, is I want to kind of take a step back from just talking about spiritual health, and I want to talk about more some of the ways that health um, affects us and how this ties into Jesus and how this ties into Christmas. Uh, And so I want to invite you to come along with me. So when we talk about health... we need to understand that spiritual health is just one part of a bigger conversation about all of this. So if if I've got this big circle, we say this is everything that health is, and I'm going to divide it into quarters, and I could say, hey, spiritual is only one portion of it, but it is part of our health. How we relate to God, how we understand our souls, how we care for that is a vital part of our health. 
And spiritual health is one that we tend to focus on the most, but it's still just one part. And one of the things about this is these parts really shouldn't have hard-edged lines. They should be fuzzy lines because how our health is in one area of our life will always spill over and affect our health in other areas of our life. And so spiritual health is one of the things that we're going to kind of focus on and talk about, but there's other aspects to our health. And probably the first one that comes to mind, uh, we'll say, is physical health. And, you know, in that, you know, right away our minds go to, well, you know, eating, diet, sleep, am I exercising? Like, all these things, how are we taking care of our physical bodies? And oftentimes when we think about this one, we often tend to just think of, man, I've got a long ways to go. If you're like me, that's probably the first thought that comes to mind. To be honest, at times I'd rather ignore that this part of my health exists. Wouldn't that be easier? Wouldn't that be simpler if I could just forget my physical health and not have to deal with it? But think about it. God designed us with physical bodies. God designed us with physical bodies that need to take in substance. We need to take in calories so that we can expend them and do things. You know, we can't just, you know, Nikki and I often have this joke of, do we have to eat again when we're trying to figure out what to make for a meal? Is it really that time? Do I have to eat again? Our physical health is part of who we are, and it's part of our health. We have to focus on it. Now, another portion that we're going to talk about is our emotional and mental health. And emotional and mental health is also one of those areas that we often tend to say, wouldn't it be better if we could just put it to the back burner? But our emotional health, our mental health, is essentially the health of our minds, How is our mind doing? And this is one of the toughest areas of our health to tackle. And the reason for that is every time that we want to talk about emotional or mental health, we actually have to start a journey inwards into ourselves. We actually have to ask the questions of ourselves, how am I doing? How many of you this morning even, you ask someone, hey, how's it going? How many of you, when someone asked you that, did you omit the truth, and said, I'm doing great. See, our emotional and mental health starts with asking questions of ourselves. How do we ask, where am I at right now? And this is a tough, difficult portion because it requires us to learn what's called self-awareness. It requires us to learn how to be aware and how to stop in the moment and actually say, I feel angry right now. Why do I feel angry? Because it's so much easier to just be angry or be sad or be joyful or be happy or be depressed or be anxious, but to stop and ask, why do I feel this way? Man, that's a deep question. But our emotional and our mental health is part of this bigger portion of understanding our health as humans, as people, as followers of Jesus. And for the last one, uh, I'm going to throw up this here. We're going to talk about relational relational health. Now, relational health is how do we relate to others? See, every one of us, no matter where you think you fall as an introvert or an extrovert, you know, it's really not a binary. It's not two sides of a coin. It's not you're either introverted or you're extroverted. That's one of the myths that somehow survives in our culture. But introverted and extroverted is actually a spectrum. 
And you can be anywhere along there, or maybe you're like me where it depends on, you know, which quiz or test or or personality profile you do, I get flipped back and forth between them because I kind of sit right in that middle. Maybe you're like me that way. But no matter where we are, whether we recharge with times of solitude or we recharge by being around people, our relational health matters. God designed us to have a deep desire for relationships, to have a deep desire to connect with people. And it's part of that deep desire is to be known by people and also to know others. You know, in any relationship, in any friendship, in any you know, partnership, in a marriage, this relational health is core. Now, each one of these affects the others, and we're going to talk more about that. But one last thing on relational before I move on. Starting in January, we're actually doing a sermon series just on this relational health focus. We're calling it How to Not Be Lonely. Um, And so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it today because that's coming up in January. But I want to give you this one one little thought to think about when we think about relational health. Community is easier found in circles than it is in rows. Community is easier to find in circles than it is in rows. We actually have to gather around something with people if we want community, if we want friendships to form. And if we just sit in rows facing forward, you know, this is awesome. I'm super pumped you're here. But if you expect that coming on a Sunday is going to meet your needs for community, I'm sorry, but you need to tell yourself the truth. Community is found in circles, not in rows. Now, each of these four areas um, are just a starting point, And we're going to just talk uh, a little bit about kind of how they all interrelate inter- and react. But there's a question that comes up whenever we talk about this about health, of saying, so why does this matter? Why are we taking a Sunday in Christmas to talk about health? Well, here's our starting point. Our health matters deeply to God. Our health, whether we're talking about spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, or relational, our health deeply matters to God. And we see this through every encounter that Jesus has with someone in the Gospels. There's these four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the stories of Jesus, that tell the stories of how he interacted with people, the things he did, the things he taught about. And in every single interaction, Jesus addresses one or multiple areas of these health with the people he connects with. And we're not going to be able to go through all of them, uh, but I'm going to focus on on just kind of one main one to talk about this. But as we do this, I want to make a deal with you. As we talk about these areas of health, I do not want us to start beating ourselves up over it. To just look at this and go, man, I'm really dropping the ball in this. Because I'll be honest with you, I have this thing that I think God doesn't want me to preach on something until it is deeply affecting my own life. So last week we talked about the father bringing his son to Jesus and saying, hey, help me, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Well, 30 minutes before our service started, my friend, who has a four-month-old, texted me um, telling me about the health crisis their four-month-old was in. And things turned out really well, and I'm so happy I got to see him and see his kid last night, and they're doing great. But when you get a text 30 minutes before you're preaching about healing and faith, saying, hey, my four-month-old just had a stroke, what do you do with that? We say, no, God meets us in that. And so today we're talking about health. And I'll be honest, this is a week where my health was all over the map. Um, 
on Sunday at, at, at 5 o'clock, or not Sunday, on Friday at 5 o'clock, I was uh, telling Vicky, yeah, I've got about 10% of my sermon written for Sunday. You know, this is going to be another Saturday special. And part of it was God had some things he wanted to meet and point out and, and actually pointed out these four things and was saying, you know, you're not doing well in each of these four things. You need to work on this. So that's why you're going to talk about it. So I'm talking about this not from a place of I've arrived. I'm talking about this from a place of I want to be on this journey with you. So don't beat yourself up. Instead, I want to challenge you on something. I want to challenge you to start with looking at where you're doing well. Which areas of these health, of, of health have you made the most progress lately? Or which one of these are you saying, you know, I'm doing good in that one? And you can respond to it. Uh, it's just a multiple choice one uh, through, um, through the YouVersion event. But the first question there, which area of your health have you made the most progress on lately? I want you to focus on where are you doing well? Or which one of these do you say, I'm the furthest along on one of these four? And for the second one, I want you to start thinking of this. Which area of your health do you want to start focusing on? Which area do you want to start taking a step forward in? All right, is that a good starting point? We can do that together. All right, let's talk about Jesus for a moment. Because when Jesus encountered people, he helped them always take their next step forward. And so early on in Jesus' ministry, uh, this is one of the first times that he came to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is this economic capital of the whole area. It's, a, you know, the major center, the major city. And in Jerusalem, near what was called the Sheep Gate, there was this pool of Bethsaida. And this pool of Bethsaida was a place where people who were sick or lame, people who had health issues, people who were seeking healing from God would come to. And they believed that when the waters in this pool would normally be still, but every once in a while they would bubble And whoever was the first person to step into the pool when these waters would bubble would be healed. And so people would come and these beggars would live there hoping for their chance to step into the pool. And so Jesus comes to this this area by the sheep gate and there is tons of people who are sick, who are beggars, who are waiting and trying to find healing. They're trying to find health. And Jesus picks one man out and he goes and he walks up to him. And this is what happens. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years, living as a beggar. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Come on, is there a more obvious question? Like, really, this is the question Jesus asks him. Would you like to get well? He's been there for 38 years. And Jesus asks this question, would you like to get well? What kind of question even is this? So here's how the man responds. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now Jesus asked a question that is expecting a yes or a no response, right? Would you like to get well, yes or no? How does this man respond? He says, I can't. He doesn't even address the possibility that Jesus could do something for him. He doesn't even address the possibility that Jesus is asking this question that could lead to him being healed. He just says, I can't. Now how often, and and I do this more often than I'd like to admit, but I think about this, 
man, I really should focus more on my, on my physical health. You know, I should start running again, or I should start being back at the gym, or something like that. And I just go, ah, I can't. I don't have the time. Or my relationship, maybe I should, you know, hang up, you know, call up a friend I haven't seen for a while. Ah, you know, I can't. I'm too busy. It's going to be an inconvenience. They're not going to have time. How many times do we make those excuses? I can't. Rather than saying yes. So Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And we'll get to that in a second. What did Jesus do? He told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Do something. Now this is different because, you know, Jesus is the Son of God and he has the authority of the Spirit and he speaks into them. But this is something that God still does today. God still heals. And we've talked about this, you know, in past sermon series too, and we talked about it last week, that God has the ability the Holy Spirit moves and Jesus has the authority to heal us of what we're facing. Whether that be physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, or relational, God has that ability. And so he tells this man who has been lying on this mat for 38 years, who cannot walk, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the guy is healed. So what did Jesus address there? He addressed his physical health, for sure. He gave him the ability to walk, healed him. Think about being a beggar. He wasn't able to work. He wasn't able to see his family often unless they came to him. Isn't this also a healing of his relational? And think about his his mental, emotional state. 38 years trapped on a mat. Every time the water in the pool bubbles up, you think, oh, maybe this is the chance, and then someone else gets in before you. What would that do to his, his mental state? How discouraged would he have been? How depressed would he have been? And Jesus addressed that. And his spiritual health too, the same sort of thing, saying, God, why is this happening to me? You know, if he was able to, if maybe someone was willing to carry him to the synagogue or carry him to the temple, what do you think his prayers would have been? God, help me. And then this rabbi, this guy named Jesus, who at this point is still relatively unknown, shows up one day and just tells him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus addressed all of these in him. When Jesus heals, it's rarely in just one of these categories because Jesus cares about our health as a whole. Jesus cares about our health in every aspect. So, i got a second question that I want to put up here. How can we seek to encounter Jesus through this Christmas season? Where do we need to encounter Jesus? What part of our lives are we saying, Jesus, I want you to encounter me and meet me in this area. Where are we looking for that? See, now Jesus, as throughout the Gospels, there's way more stories we could go to that we don't have the time for. Um, But when Jesus encountered people, he profoundly shaped and changed their lives. But one of the things that we can easily miss when we read through the Gospels is there's these little verses that happen um, often after an event or right before, and they're just kind of like we think it's just this transition from, okay, that's from that event and then now to the next. And so we can miss this, but all throughout Jesus' ministry, through the three years that he was traveling and preaching and teaching and leading his disciples, 
Jesus regularly took time away to care for himself. And we can miss these verses so easily. Let me read. We're just going to read two of them. Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and then told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. They took time after this event, after the disciples went out on their ministry tour and came back, they took time away to rest. And then later on, still in Mark 6, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back to the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida when, while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Now, these are just two verses, but there's a pattern. There's nine more instances throughout Mark where Jesus either goes by himself or he takes a couple of the disciples or he takes all the disciples and they get away from everything. And Jesus took time to rest and to pray. See, we can miss these if we only focus on the encounters Jesus had with people and we miss the fact that even though he's the son of God, he still needed to take time to care for himself. He still needed to take time to rest, to pray, to eat. He still had to take care of himself. And so here's this kind of question. If Jesus had to care for himself, why do we think sometimes that we don't need to care for ourselves? How many of you have been on a plane, on an airliner, and everyone sits through the same safety briefing? And you hear the flight attendants tell you about the things that, you know, in the event of emergency, you need to do this. And then they do the one with the oxygen mask. And they say, in the event that we lose cabin air pressure or we lose oxygen, a panel above your head opens and oxygen masks are going to drop out. And then there's a key sentence that they say every single time. Put your own mask on first before you help someone else. Now, if, you're, if you've got the Uversion uh, app on your phone, save it because there's a video link to a video that I want you to watch later, and I'll put it on our Facebook page too, of a uh, guy actually going and doing what's called hypoxia training. Now, hypoxia is when you have a lack of oxygen. It means there's, it's not even that there's tons of carbon dioxide, but there's just a lack of oxygen. And they've got him in this hyperbaric chamber. You know, he's got people supervising the test and he's got an oxygen mask on, but they're not giving him oxygen yet and they're removing the oxygen out of the air. And they're telling him, all you have to do to breathe is push that button. It's all you have to do. But as the oxygen is leaving his body, as he's breathing more nitrogen and getting less oxygen, he can't do it. He gets giddy. He gets, you know, excited. He feels great. He's giggling under his mask. And they keep telling him, all you have to do is push that button and you'll live. And eventually what happens is the person supervising the test hits the button for him. Because in that moment, of he, his body is in crisis and he doesn't even clue into it. He doesn't realize that if another 30 seconds goes by, his brain is going to stop functioning entirely. See, here's the problem. When we push ourselves into a crisis, sometimes we're not aware of it. That's why I said this emotional, mental side is often so hard to dig into is because we don't know that we're in a crisis. And we have to choose to take that step to say, how do I care for myself? How do I stop this from going further? But here's the thing. 
I don't want us to turn into people that only ever look inwards, that only ever look at ourselves, because you don't have to be at 100% in every area to help others. In fact, it's when we help others out of our brokenness and out of our places of need that we give room for Jesus to step in and to act. It's when we minister to each other and care for each other out of our brokenness, out of our pain, out of our hurts. That's actually when we're creating space for God to move. When we're creating room for the Holy Spirit to act. But if we're in a crisis and you recognize it, you've got to take that step of what it is that's going to move you towards health in whatever aspect it is. I'll let you fill in the blanks and figure out what that might be for you. I want to draw, uh, draw something else here. Now, I want to take this. Now, this is a 2D picture, and we're going to see how good my art skills are. But I want to draw something for you, and I want to imagine a bucket. Okay, you can tell that's a bucket, right? Close enough. Now, imagine this bucket is actually made up of the four quadrants we talked about before. You know, our physical, our spiritual, our emotional, mental, and our relational. Um, now imagine these you know, lines kind of come up and they make up the four sides of the bucket. Now how much water can this bucket hold? Now imagine one of these things, you know, right now, you know, maybe my relational, you know, it's got some cracks in it and it's only about that high. How much water can that bucket hold? We can only hold as much as the shortest portion of our health. I could pour tons and tons of water into this. Will this bucket ever get full? No, it's going to start spilling over the moment it hits here. Or maybe it's my, uh, my spiritual side. Maybe there's some cracks forming in it. Or maybe there's a hole in my emotional. There's a, there's a relationship that's, or in my emotional side. Maybe there's just something I'm not understanding about myself. I'm not recognizing why I feel frustrated or why this is happening. See, we only have the capacity of our lowest area of health. It's just the way God designed us. It's not a character flaw. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a sin issue, but it's just the way we are. And so if we want to have the capacity, we actually have to address these areas of our life. If we want to have the capacity to impact other people's lives, we have to address these in our own life first. I said this last week as well. We can't lead people where we have never gone ourselves. So we have to, where, in what part of our lives do we have to challenge ourselves to move forward so we can help others? Now, how do we actually do this? And especially when it comes to areas like our physical health, we actually run on habits and patterns a whole lot more than we do. And this is just how God wired us. And so I want to talk about this because how do we actually change a pattern or change a habit when we recognize that this isn't leading us to health. If we say, hey, Jesus took these times away. He broke out of his pattern of teaching and leading people so that he could restore himself and spend time with God. So how do we do that for us? And so I wanted to talk really quickly, how do we change our habits? And a habit actually has three components. Um, There's a trigger, something that starts the habit process. There's the process of what the habit is and the result, how we feel after. So let me make an example of that. Suppose you're watching TV or you're watching a video and an ad pops up for uh, a new flavor of chocolate bar. You're like, ooh, that tastes, that looks like it'd be good. You know, that, I, I want that. So a habit forms. That triggered a habit of saying, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy that. 
And then while we're there, you know, you can't just buy one piece of junk food, right? Right? I'm not the only one that does that. You buy, you, you know, you buy more. And then you eat that chocolate, you're like, oh, this tastes good. And afterwards you're like, oh, I shouldn't have eat that. And there's the result. There's a short-term joy of, man, this tastes good. And then a long-term, oh, now I don't feel that great. See, in a habit, in a process, the trigger and the result are actually pretty fixed. But we have a choice. You can change the process. Oftentimes you can't change that desire. Maybe you say like, you know, I know one of the things I often do is I like to snack. And, you know, I'll just go by the pantry, you know, hey, what looks good in here? Oh, I'll just grab that. Or go to the fridge, I'll just grab that. And eh, nothing looks good in the fridge. I'll go back to the pantry and lower my standards a bit more and find something else. That's a, that's a habit I have. That's a pattern But I have to make a choice to say, okay, when I have that trigger of saying, I want that, what's my process now? Process could actually be, do I actually want this? Or process could be, why don't I drink a glass of water instead? Because I probably should drink more water. What if I have the glass of water instead of eating, you know, a handful of crackers or whatever I find in there? See, we can change the process Triggers are much harder to change. The result, how we feel afterwards, is hard to change. But the process of what we do can change. So maybe, I'm just giving this out as maybe a tool. Maybe it's something that helps you. Maybe it doesn't. I hope it does. But how do we actually understand that difference and that change? So here's the last question I want to ask, and then we'll pop over and we'll talk about some of the things um, that we've talked about here. What's one step you can take to improve your health in one of these four areas? whether that's physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, or relational. What's one step you can take to improve? Maybe just a first step. Um, Let me just refresh this here and maybe see uh, what you guys have been putting in here. So the first question I asked, which area of your health have you made the most progress in recently? Hey, you guys are doing awesome. 66% said physical health, that you guys are making strides. That's awesome. Good work. Um, And then the rest is is kind of split between relational health and emotional mental health. But here's where it's different. When we say, which area of your health do you want to focus on? 40% said relational health. 30% said emotional mental health. 20% physical, 10% spiritual. It's interesting that physical health is in both of those. Because that's often the one that's the most in our face, when we step in front of a mirror or if you step on the scale, you know, or you're like me and you put on a shirt and you're like, oh man, this used to fit. It's not great. But how about that relational health? How do you focus on some of those? So let me move to this next question. How can we seek to encounter Jesus through this Christmas season? And here's one one person's response. I need to steal away like Jesus and pray. Follow his example. Take time out of our regular thing. Um, building healthy habits, meeting Jesus in the moment regardless of what, um, what you're doing and recognize he's there all the time. And another response for how we can seek to encounter Jesus is pray, read the Bible, read other books that help me grow spiritually, offer to pray with others. Um, how about, what else? Is there anyone, maybe you uh, haven't typed it in, but what's something, how can we seek to encounter Jesus through this season? What's something that stands out to you? And uh, I'll repeat what you have to say so everyone can hear it. How are you guys looking to uh, encounter Jesus this season?
did what we put in cover it all? You have, you have to want to. It, it starts with a choice. You have to make a choice to say, yes, I want this. Thanks for sharing that. There's someone else about to say something. Yeah, and that's the part we don't want to do. He said we have to give something up to gain something in our lives. And who wants to give something up? But I think you're exactly right. We have to choose what we're going to give up in order to replace because we all only have 24 hours a day. We only have so much energy. We only have you know, so much motivation and so much willpower. So we've got to make a choice. How about for this last question? And maybe this one gets a little personal, but what is one step you can take to improve your health in one of these four areas. Um, on the re- form here response, someone said, plan a way to be more active. And I like that, you, that whoever put that in put, to plan a way. Because you've got to, again, that goes back to that desire. It comes back to even what, um, what was just said about we have to replace something. We have to plan to say, I'm actually going to do this. Um, and then another one's here saying, um, talking about the relational one, work on building deeper personal relationships with others um, and join a small group. Small groups are awesome. Um, and we're actually going to be launching, we're hoping to launch a couple new small groups coming up in the new year um, that we're still trying to work together uh, to figure out what those are going to be. But we do want to provide opportunities for that. And so, again, there's an intentionality piece to that response. It takes a choice. We have to choose to replace something. What else? Maybe what stands out? What's one step you can take to focus on your health in one of these four areas? That's an awesome habit to have. Uh, Kelly said he, you know, he walks to work and prays while he's doing that. Yep. One step at a time. You know, you don't... Uh, Story time for a quick moment. Uh, what was it, last year, maybe two years ago, a group of the guys said, hey, let's start a dads and strollers running group on Saturday mornings. And uh, they invited me to come along, I think, because they wanted to laugh. Um, and we picked this, they picked this spot by the water treatment plant where the first, like, 100 meters was directly uphill. And I'm like, I can do this. I can keep up with them. No, I couldn't. <laughs> but again, what would have been a better choice, like you said, you know, starting with first step is, I should have walked. You know, let, and then eventually they would just run off and then they'd meet me back at there. But to start with walking before I started to run, pushing a stroller. <laughs> but yeah, start with those easy first steps. What else? What's another first step someone could take? Yeah, we we have to, let me just try and summarize that quickly. We have to move towards the things that might scare us or we might be fearful of or the things we might be trying to avoid. And she used the example of saying that like, if relationships are something that we want to grow in, but our tendency is we want to avoid and make someone else initiate, you actually have to take a step towards that. And it might scare you a little of saying, hey, of reaching out and saying, hey, do you want to grab a coffee? Hey, I'd really like to meet with you and talk about this. Like that actually, there's... You know, I, I hope 
that this is a community that we feel safe enough that we don't feel fearful when we make those asks. When we say to someone, hey, I'm struggling with this. Because when we actually can choose to be vulnerable with each other, when we can actually say, hey, this is part of my life I'm not doing well in, that's when we can actually start moving forward. That's when we can actually start making progress about the areas of our lives we want to focus on. So I want to kind of um, wrap this up together. And what I hope that we've you know, discussed and I hope what we've kind of gathered is said that our health is more than just spiritual. Our health involves a lot more aspects of our lives. And I hope that, that maybe through this season that you'll be able to start just, you know, even keeping an eye open to those things and saying, where do I need to meet with Jesus? Where do I need God to be part of this portion of my life that maybe I've tried to hold back? And what are those first steps to take? What's that just initial starting point? Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the example that you provided. That even though you are God, that when you came to the earth, that you took time for yourself. And Father, I pray that we would be able to learn from your example. I pray that we as a community of faith, we would be able to learn how to rest, that we would learn how to understand that our health is more than just spiritual, that all of this is connected, and that your desire for us is to be healthy. This is why you came. It's why we call you Messiah, why we call you the Anointed One because you came to save us and draw us in. So Father, for all of us here, would you help us grow in our health? Would you help us take the next step forward? Would you show us what that is? And, you know, don't give up on us. Would you pester us with this? Would you give us promptings? Would you guide us on what that first step is that we need to take? In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great week, folks. I I hope that this helps you grow and learn more about how we can find health through this Christmas season. And so once again, don't forget Christmas Eve, uh, 11 o'clock service and a 6.30 service. Uh, Take a look at your takeout and see if maybe there's a way that you're able to help out and make this Christmas something special. Thanks for being here. We hope this message helps you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information about us, visit gvccbrandon.ca.